0: We're talking footy. G'day, everybody, and welcome to the inaugural Talking Footy podcast. Every Wednesday across the season, we're going to be talking with some of the biggest names in footy. Great to have Daisy Pearce, first off the cab rank. Welcome, Daisy.
1: G'day, hey Good to be here. Why footy? Oh, why footy? I-, I loved all sports when I was a kid, very outdoorsy. It was hard to make me sit still or come inside, but um, why footy? I think the biggest draw card for me when I reflect is that. It was a big part of family life. It was a huge part of our community having grown up in a small country town up in Wondilagong or Bright, which people might know a bit better. But
0: How many people in, in Bright?
1: Oh, I think you got me a question without Not notice. Many. But it's getting bigger and bigger because it's such a beautiful part of the world and uh, I know it's growing, but there was yeah less than a 1,000 in Bright and Wondilagong, uh, less hundreds. than... Yeah, hundreds. Hmm.
0: How many girls were playing with you in the Bright footy club when you... Kicked off.
1: It was just me to begin with, and for all of my career, actually, I started. I was kicked down at Bright Odds Kick Centre. It was the first girl they'd ever seen turn up, and it was a bit of a novelty, really, to begin with. But in time, I just became an accepted part of the furniture, and I was always really well supported and, um, yeah, welcomed into the club. But yeah, the only girl in my team, and um, for much of the competition, a girl did start playing for one of the other teams. Um, towards the end of my junior career and she was a lot better than me. So it's a shame she didn't go on with her footy and, and keep playing. I don't know what happened to Karina.
0: Was there any resistance early with a girl playing or was it always just no problem days, grab a jumper?
1: No, early resistance. I'm I'm really grateful. I feel like now that I think about it, my parents probably buffered me from a lot of that, that resistance. Um, but I do remember little snippets of conversations of parents you know, arguing with Dad that it was irresponsible and that I shouldn't be out there or little bits and pieces like that, and and certainly, like I said, I was pretty well supported within the club and and loved and welcomed into the four, but, uh, yeah, lots of commentary on the sidelines as I went through my career that, you know, as to why I shouldn't play, but I'm glad I didn't listen. (laughs)
0: Leading goal kicker, I'm not sure which year. How many did you kick, do you remember?
1: Uh, I kicked, I think I averaged nine a game. Nine. For the first few weeks. <laughs> or maybe I'm embellishing that a little bit. It's a long time ago. I'm trying to remember. I I kicked nine in the opening few weeks. and then, Each week? Yeah. And then I think I finished somewhere. I mean, the se- we only played 10 games a season. I finished with 60-odd. I, I don't know. I, I could be embellishing this a little bit, but it was... It was a handy season. Um, I was the stay-at-home, a locket type full forward back then and having developed a little bit earlier than what a lot of the boys did, I had the, the weight and size advantage. Um, it was with me, uh, contrary to what people would expect to being the only girl in the team. But um, I had some handy competition towards the end of the season, which dried up my my score or my goal-kicking tally because he started trying to hang on to the footy and pit me in the goal-kicking and that was... Ben Reid, who's gone on to play at Collingwood and moved down back there. But, yeah, we, we shared a forward line for much of our um, junior career.
0: That's, that's a sort of a career in itself. I beat Ben Reid in the under as <laughs> the goal, uh, leading goal kicker. You were a bit of a tomboy, weren't you?
1: I was, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, always, you know, kicking around with the boys. A lot of my good friends were, were male. I think just through playing footy mainly. I mean, like anyone, you form... great relationships through playing team sport and mine just happened to be with a bunch of of boys and um, I I sort of idolised my older brother as well. I had brothers either side of me. I've got four brothers now and and the one sister but always following in Harry who's two years older than me's footsteps and wanting to do whatever he did so that probably had a lot to do with it. We weren't very well off or um, yeah, I certainly wasn't being dressed in designer clothes. So I was getting lots of hand-me-downs from him, which were tracksuits and footy jumpers. So I don't know. It was just me. I, I suppose you are who you are. <laughs>
0: and you were getting confused at times with being a boy and that didn't faze you at all.
1: Oh, I didn't. Yeah, I often like even I went to a primary school with 40 kids and I once came out of the girls toilets and this kid who I'd been fr- like friends with for years, says to me, what are you doing in there? And it was this moment <laughs> where I thought, he thinks I'm a boy. And he, he must have thought that for a couple of years. I didn't I didn't not mind it. It, it. I didn't like being called a boy, but I didn't like the correcting people or the confrontation of, you know, that awkward moment. I just would prefer to let it slide that they think that than to stand up and say, I'm actually a girl. But I certainly didn't want to be a boy. I was happy being a girl. I would have liked to have a few more sporting opportunities back then. Um, but, yeah, it's just one of those funny things that, I suppose, I'm still a bit of a tomboy now. <laughs> um, well,
0: you're going very well on every front. but You've had to make some big decisions along the way. One decision that I can't fathom making is when uh, your parents separate and the choice with you was yours as to who you would go and live with.
1: Yeah, huge call. Um, Mum and Dad separated when I was about seven and They they both lived in Wandilagong for a number of years, so we did the week on, week off thing, which had its challenges in itself. Like anyone who's, I guess, experienced a a breakup in the family, it's pretty tough going. But uh, then when, yeah, mum had a new partner when I was about 10 or 11, and when they decided to have kids, he lived in Melbourne. So they'd done the long distance things for years. And when they decided to start their own family, it was time for mum to move to Melbourne. And yeah, we were almost given a, a choice as to who we wanted to live with, which as I grew up, I sort of thought was a bit wrong. I, I almost wished that they'd told me who I had to live with, but I've spoken to mum about it. And she, she said that the type of kid that I was, so stubborn and determined in how I went about things, she thought if she told me that I had to go with her, that I would do the opposite. So she thought the best tactic was to leave it up to me and, and hope that I'd make that choice. But yeah, I ended up deciding to stay with with dad. Uh, for a couple of reasons, but again, when, when I reflect back, one of them was that being a bit different, a bit of a tomboy and having found my little safe niche at the footy club, I, I wasn't ready to leave that and thought that by moving to Melbourne I'd have to stop playing footy and, and pave my way in the <laughs> big world that I wasn't quite ready to do, but after a couple of years of living with Dad... Uh, oh, I've skipped ahead. I I've Probably the other reason was that I thought someone better stay and look after him because my other brothers had um, moved to Melbourne with Mum. So, yeah, stayed with Dad for a couple of years and then in time, as you do get older and start to change as a young woman, I, it was time to need your mum back, so I moved to Melbourne.
0: It's a pretty mature decision. At seven, you go, i better look after my old man.
1: Oh, that was a bit odd. So they separated when I was seven and this was, that all happened when I was 11 or 12, yeah, I right. think, yeah.
0: Just on your old man. He had a lot of jobs, a lot of different things he did. He was a good teacher. He got you in a car early. In fact, he taught you to drive a bus, didn't he?
1: Yeah, he's taught me a lot of things, Dad. A lot of um, unconventional things that aren't necessarily out of the parenting textbook. But a a lot of the life lessons he's taught me, I'm really grateful for. And I, I... Yeah, when I think about it, a lot of the little life skills or street smart skills that he's taught me have held me in good stead in the journey that I've been on over the last few years, um, ploughing my way, I guess, into this industry. But um, yeah, the the driving story, you, single-handedly, Hamish, are making pretty famous by bringing it up everywhere we go. But um, Dad, once, we were going to pick up a school group in Adelaide So the bus was empty, we were coming from Bright to Adelaide to take the school back to Bright to go up to the snow and he thought, you know, after having had five or six years' driving experience by the time I I was 12 years old, it was time to step up and give the heavy-duty vehicle a bit of a go. So at speed we swapped over at the driver's wheel of the bus and I took the reins. I think I drove for about 20 20 kilometres on the freeway. Uh, at 12? At, at full full tilt, 110 or 100 kilometres, whatever we were doing, in the bus. Amazing. Yeah, I just remember the steering wheel feeling massive like as a kid because you know how the, the steering wheel is massive. And then another one of my vivid memories is Dad <laughs> sitting halfway up the empty seats and hanging his head out in the aisle so I could see him in the rear vision mirror and yelling out, when are we going to get their driver?
0: <laughs> Amazing. I grew up in a country town. I think when I went to get my licence... I got dropped off at the police station and the sergeant came out and said, Hamish, we'll go up and pick up my kids and I'll do the paperwork. <laughs> he, he said, he have been yeah. driving on the roads for years, I've seen you.
1: Exactly. Well, I learned to drive out at the airstrip with Dad and I've got memories as well. I, I would have been, like I said, eight years old, which made my younger brother, Will, he was six, so tiny. And it was a manual. We'd all learnt to drive manual by then and to change gears he'd have to slip down out of... Um, Out of sight because he was that small to change change and get his foot deep enough on the clutch for it to change gears and then pop back up So that he could see. so yeah fun times It's these are all the special little memories that you know, they're they're different and (laughs) people might say irresponsible but the beauty of growing up in a small country town, I think
0: exactly your um, Old man was great uh, to you and you spent a lot of time with him but also you had uh, a lot of time with your mother and she went through her own battles. I sort of see where you get your resilience from. She had breast cancer?
1: She did, yeah. Um, she's had breast cancer and a couple of bouts of melanoma as well. So she's a pretty tough woman, my mum. And she's she's done things tough for a lot of her life, I would say. Um, yeah, small young family when her and Dad separated. And, you know, Dad was a great father and, like I said, kind of... Taught us a lot of good life lessons, but he was certainly there for the for a fun time a lot of the time. So mum, with a lot of the you know more difficult decisions and responsibilities of raising three young kids, she probably shouldered most of them. So she she's battled pretty hard her whole life, which I don't know maybe held her in good stead to to battle through a couple of stints of cancer. But thankfully, um, we're one of the lucky families, I suppose, and. Often it's not the case, but she's managed to fight her way through and is as fit and healthy and happy at the moment right now as I've ever seen her, so it's great.
0: You've been through a lot. That's maybe why you're the most mature 28-year-old, I know. But you've also had a completely different career away from footy, which no-one really talks about because we just talk about you as the pioneering footballer. But a midwife is a role that is unbelievably, I assume, rewarding, but, gee, there's some pressure.
1: Yeah, there's some pressure, all right, and if if you're looking to mature, <laughs> get a job as a midwife because it grows you up pretty quickly. It's a, a full-on job, um, very rewarding, and I, I treasure what I've learnt and been able to, you know, be blessed to experience as a midwife. But, yeah, some a, a, as enjoyable and beautiful as it can be, it can be that tough as well um, when things don't quite go right. But a really special job. I worked as a midwife for about five years out at Box Hill Hospital and... Yeah, just loved, loved every minute of it. It's the most intense, enjoyable job that you could imagine. Every day is different. Just when you think you've seen or heard it all, you haven't. I, 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 the best way to describe it, it's like a cross section of human life. You see life, death. You see people at their best and most. You also see them at their most vulnerable. So it's pretty, yeah, pretty interesting job.
0: Do you remember the first baby you delivered?
1: I, I don't remember the first one I delivered, which I should. I wish yeah. I did, but I'm terrible with this kind of thing, as I am in footy. Like, I can never remember games or goals or awards or premierships. I, I'm not very clear on it's a lot of those some memories. Some have got but photographic
0: memories of yeah, some I'm can't not, remember the I'm, last goal they kicked.
1: I'm not overly sentimental. Like, I, I don't keep any of my jumpers. I don't... They're all just either stuffed in a bottom drawer or handed down to my nieces. But, yeah, the, I, I do remember, though, my first birth that I ever saw and I remember sitting, and the way that it works when you're a student midwife, you have to observe a certain amount and then you assist in a certain amount and then you're out on your own. But observing my first birth, I remember standing at the back of the room thinking, somebody help that woman. This is not, this can't be normal. And there she was giving birth. And now, as I went through my career, I looked back, that was the most beautiful, normal birth that you'll ever see. But when you haven't been there and you haven't seen it, I just thought... This can't be okay. Like, why is no one helping her, or why is no one getting this baby out for her? But it was just how it happens, <laughs> and it—it it was. I guess that experience set you up well to appreciate what people are going through when they are there in that moment. They're, I talk of partners, and you've been there yourself, Hamish. But um, yeah, it's an amazing time and such a privilege to share that moment with people. I think the. It's amazing how quickly you can form a relationship with a couple that you've met as they've walked in the door with wet pants because <laughs> her waters have just broken and be there with them over the next eight hours or however long it takes or your shift and to then see them bring into the world their baby is, you know, it's a, a bond that just can't be matched, I don't think, when you share that with them.
0: When you've retired and once you've settled into the AFL Commission, <laughs> do you reckon you'll go back to midwifery? <laughs>
1: Well, I think I, I I think I will. I mean, life is pretty long, so well, I hope so. Um so it's something that I see myself going back to at some point. Um and I'm certainly keeping my registration up at the moment by doing a few shifts and all the professional development that you have to to stay current, but um yeah, I uh, I didn't leave the job because I was looking looking actively looking for a career change. It was simply just a matter of opportunity and opportunity that is a bit now or never for me so um, made the decision to come out of it. but I love yeah I love that experience. Nothing really matches the experiences you get as a midwife and um, for me now I even enjoy doing it because it just keeps you so grounded it's a a real look into the real world and um, yeah, great escape, I guess, when footy can become all-consuming. I mean, I've heard people say that years ago and thought, how could that even be possible? But when you are playing and working in football and, I guess, in the spotlight a little bit, it, it can become consuming. Not that I thought it would, would have been possible a few years ago. So it's it's nice to go back and do a shift at the hospital and look after a couple that are there to have their baby and they don't really care about your football career, and to me that's quite refreshing and quite a good escape now.
0: Sunday, join us for Game Day. Good morning everybody and welcome to our 10th season of Game Day. Hosted by Hamish McLaughlin, every Sunday at 10am on the channels of Seven. She caught up exclusively with Rui this morning. they are pretty confident as well that structurally it's okay. Christian Petrarch is in love with Christian Petrarca. <laughs> it's where all of footy's big names come to play. Talking of experiences, did you think, you're 28 now, that you would ever experience playing in what we know as AFLW or did you think it'd be starting once you'd retired?
1: Yeah, I I probably thought I might be a little bit late and that I knew it would come eventually, but um, influenced by history, I thought it might be a bit of a slower trajectory than what we've seen um, AFLW take off. So when your wonderful brother Came out and announced a couple of years ago that um, they were going to fast-track it and aim for two thousand and seventeen. It was yeah, I've been working towards this moment since then, and almost felt like I'd been handed a bit of a lifeline to to get the opportunity to play in it. So I'm glad he I'm glad he did. Thanks, Gil.
0: In their future as elite professional players starts today.
1: The Melbourne Football Club have selected Daisy Pearce and Melissa Hickey.
0: Your first outing was at Casey Fields. It had been a long time in coming. Try and describe the night before, the morning of, and heading out onto the field, because so many women and young girls look at that moment and the Collingwood Carlton opening as such a landmark weekend.
1: Yeah, it was a landmark weekend. Um, Just a huge build-up of emotion, uh, pressure... And so many new distractions that we're we're not used to. But I guess as best you could, I I just tried to take it all in my stride and and go out there and play football. But it w- it was hard. I, I more I'm, I noticed how much pressure I was feeling and how distracted I was heading into that game. Once all that went away in rounds three, four, and five. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was always going to be challenging for a lot of us when you've. You know, hoped that this moment would come for so long, and then suddenly it's upon you. Time to go out and and play footy and perform. It was, yeah, as exciting as all that was. It was challenging as well. Mark taken, quick kick by Daisy Pierce, and the skipper gets a goal for the Ds. Almost bought some time. Pierce doing the captain thing, putting her body on the line. Goes up top of the square, fly, good, strong hands, and
0: Daisy Pierce. What a match she's having. So the the season rolls on. You get off to a shock loss to a team that we realise uh, after about a month is a very good side. You win the final match on the Saturday. You're in the grand final for about 18 hours and the Crows beat the Pies which means you get knocked out again. As you look back at the season I do you think it could have been any more successful?
1: Uh, Personally I do, yeah. I mean um, from a a bigger picture I don't think it could have. It, It had everything that
0: the league itself. The
1: league itself could have hoped for in terms of the engagement of the existing audience, um, the captivation of a new audience.
0: Did it surprise you?
1: Yeah, it did. I, I kind of I prepared myself for the haters. <laughs> yeah. So although I had confidence in um, the product, I I've been I guess backhanded too many times to know that there will be some knockers and it might take time to really establish itself, but. Oh, you couldn't have asked for a better start and I mean the, the lockout crowd at the beginning was one thing Great TV engagement um, Some wonderful stories coming through Aaron Erin Phillips has been spoken about but so many others um, Even down to the point of two states in Brisbane, uh, Queensland and Adelaide their teams making it through to the grand final is it's great footy and um, will have an impact beyond female footy I think as well uh, in those states and across the country, so bigger picture, it couldn't have ended any better. Um, but Just
0: Before you get on to you, <laughs> I know you're going to speak about you and you're disappointed with a couple of things, but the one moment that I realised how big it was, was Miller is my four and a half year old who you know, and she saw you on the Collingwood uh, Saturday night game and said, Daisy's playing football. I said, yeah. She said, can I play football now? I said, you can do whatever you want. You can play football, you can play netball. She how long has this been happening? I said, well, a fortnight. <laughs> it's changed everything.
1: Yeah, well, that, that's the, I guess, the most pleasing impact of it is that little girls like your Miller now see footy as a place for them and, and they can have that dream to play the game. And, I mean, that Miller's had that little moment of realisation, but in time, girls, young girls... It won't be surprising to them. It will just be the norm that mm. that's what happens. And we're almost there now. The next generation of, of young kids, I've noticed a real shift in that I remember the day that the licences were announced and they each of us, you know, had little Oz kickers, were involved in the announcement of the teams and a lot of us were saying, how cool is this, girls? There's going to be a, an AFL competition. And to them, it was almost like, well, of course there is. Of course we're going to play in the AFL. And that... I guess that complacency is almost a good thing <laughs> and it will only get better and better. So that's been the, the beautiful thing about AFL women's, I think, is that it's ignited a dream for half our population. <laughs>
0: you got injured early and carried an injury for a few weeks, but all in all, I mean, you can't be disappointed with what you produced.
1: No, I was, yeah, i would pretty happy with my season individually. Disappointing from a team perspective in that we did feel like we were playing some, some pretty good footy towards the end, but um, yeah, in the the nature of such a cutthroat season, you know, early losses and lapses in concentrations for quarters or halves of footy really came back to bite you. But um, a really satisfying season from a team perspective in that we feel like we've laid really good foundations to um, keep building into next year in terms of the way that we were moving the ball and playing our footy We've got a really young exciting list, so Whilst it's easy to be bitterly disappointed when you s- sit back and watch the girls go around in the grand final um, And I'm envious of <laughs> all those images of the celebration because I know how special they'll be they are and and hope that we get there soon, but All in all a pretty positive start for the D's. but yeah, like my, my own personal game. i Was you know probably put a bit of pressure on on myself leading into the season and.
0: Well, you're probably the most watched player in the league.
1: Yeah, well, I guess the way it all played out is that the AFL almost used a handful of us promoting ourselves to promote the game and to create a profile for a game that didn't quite exist. They had to leverage off the back of a handful of players and.
0: From a Melbourne perspective, from a Victoria perspective, Katie Brennan yourself. Were the two faces. With that comes enormous pressure and enormous and probably distraction. probably Moana hope as well. Yeah, no yeah. hope. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah, there is. But I, yeah, I suppose oh, I'd n- never complain about that because it, the offshoot of it has been some wonderful opportunities as well. But certainly some added expectation that we carried into the competition. And I suppose I was the way I, I try and offset it is just to make sure that I'm doing everything I can to to be a good player and working as hard as I can so that. You know, whatever I produce, I can't be unhappy with it. If it's if it's good enough, great. If it's not, well, I did everything I could, was my approach to it. So I made sure I trained pretty hard coming into the season. And um, yes, I feel like i improved out of sight as the competition went on. And um, a lot of that is just simply an in, a display of once we get in, Surrounded by wonderful coaches have access to the resources and facilities that we had at Melbourne and um, Yeah, the only way is up. I suppose the whole c- competition I think and every girl in our team improved remarkably as the-, the season went on
0: Gil is one of your biggest fans if you were the AFL CEO for an afternoon What would the <laughs> one change you'd make for AFLW season two?
1: Well, I'll start by saying I think he's doing a very good job He's so, a big listener
0: to this podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, he's,
1: he's doing a good job as it is, but if he fell off the perch or his horse home, <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I'd, well, on the back of this season, I'd make a final series. Yep. I think that's probably a no-brainer.
0: How would that look, the final series?
1: Well, you could almost, depending on length of season, you could almost go a simple 1v4, 2v3. and
0: Like a prelim final weekend? Yeah.
1: Out although then first position doesn't really get any advantage for finishing first, but we'll work through that.
0: uh, So finals campaign would be good?
1: Finals campaign would be good, not just because the Ds missed out on percentage (laughs) this year, but I think it would just give the season more legs in that once a couple of teams had lost two or three games at the start of this season, it meant they were out of the finals race completely, whereas if there is a final series and a top four to aim for, you're you're still live for a lot longer. There's more teams that are still within a chance of getting in there So it just makes for a, a, a more entertaining fixture. I think
0: Just you, you touched on it earlier. You said you got ready for the haters this I mean There's haters everywhere. There'll be Dustin Martin played a game on Thursday night that was just sublime and people were saying oh, it's only against Carl yeah, I mean, it's just that society, but do you have do you take notice? Do you get affected by those that decide that they want to be a keyboard hero for an afternoon?
1: Oh, you certainly bristle when you see things. You're, I mean, I think anyone that says they don't probably lying, or so, so, I'm really uh, jealous of them if they're not. But well, I,
0: I, I'm not on because I do. You know, I, I literally get so affected. My wife could tell when somebody had got into me. She said, "You're not honestly reading that again." I said, well, I, a, I saw it, and B, I'm affected. They said, don't let it affect you. you can't not.
1: Yeah, no, you can't. If you see it, you're affected. It's, whether you outwardly look affected is another thing, but it's hard to get away with anything with your wife, I suppose. But, yeah. Um, yeah, you're affected, but I guess it just comes back to surrounding yourself with people whose opinions you really respect or care about so yeah. that... But but I think the the haters, generally speaking, were drowned out by an overwhelmingly positive response. So quickly, anyone that just didn't like the idea of change and didn't like this new thing of women playing AFL footy at the high level um, were were pretty quickly silenced by a mass of people that absolutely loved it, Mm. which was good.
0: How's life changed? Can you walk into your local Coles (laughs) and be... Hassle-free, or is it different to what it was two years ago?
1: Oh, it's completely different, completely different, and yeah, it's it's weird. I I almost can't get to Coles without it now. I is that have, right? I have to remind myself to put shoes on or <laughs> have a quick check to make sure I look half presentable before I head down there for my carton of milk. But no, it's funny. It's been an absolute whirlwind, and it just makes you realise how much people in this town love footy. Because in my head I'm just normal old Daisy that does a few footy shows and gets her mug on a few photos. <laughs> but um yeah, people take notice and everywhere you go people shout out or say hello or want a photo, get A Tony at the butchers. Yeah. Um, all sorts yeah. It's it's one of the exciting things but it can be yeah, pretty challenging at times yeah. as well. But it's so different to what I've been used to. I mean It's a bit different, I think, to the boys that make it to the AFL as 18-year-olds. They've almost been groomed for the idea that if you make it in football, you'll also be a household name and people will recognise you when you go down the street because that's how it is. But for a lot of us girls, we've gone 20... I won't say... I've gone 28 years of my life without anyone really taking notice or caring and now all of a sudden, almost overnight, it's a thing. So it's been a lot to adjust to. but. Part of the excitement of it, I suppose.
0: Hey, enjoying the media? There's some people that are very natural and do it very easily. You're one of those. Does it give you a, a thrill, or does it bore you? The media?
1: No, I'm loving it now. I mean, I wouldn't say I do it that naturally, personally, because you know you, there's a lot of inner turmoil going on when it's new to new to you. But um, I'm loving this year now that I've you know felt my way through a few things across season. 2016. So, um, yeah, enjoying it more now that I'm not too worried. I guess it's like that opening game, the distractions of which camera to look at and an earpiece and worrying about if you say the wrong thing, whereas now you can just get on and enjoy talking about football, um, which who could complain about that? But also having built a few good relationships and a bit of a network makes it all the more enjoyable as well, not just because you're sitting next to me, but, (laughs) you know, you really appreciate the support of... Um, wonderful people in the industry that have helped show me the way and just makes it a lot easier and, and more enjoyable.
0: One of my most enjoyable media moments was Friday night footy. Wayne Carey was crook and they said, who are we going to get? And I said, well, who's available? And they said, well, Daisy is quickly. You know, that afternoon I think you got the call. <laughs> I've never felt, you know, it was just great to have you. It's amazing to think you're going to be hosting a pre-game show on a Friday night standing on Eddie Head and no-one blinks. Move on. It's yeah. changed.
1: Yeah, it has changed for the better too. I mean, as a, as a kid, I, I honestly dreamt of being a commentator. Dad and I, one of his many jobs was a pilot for a long time. And we literally used to sit on the couch on a Friday night with Friday night footy on and we'd turn the volume down. No offence to the, the commentary team, but we'd put his uh, aeroplane headsets on and with the microphone and pretend we were commentating the game. And sit there and take ourselves fully seriously for the entire match. Quarter time breaks and all. <laughs> so, um, yeah, to think that yeah, then you're, you're really doing it. You're out there on Etihad Stadium. or It's crazy. You almost have to pinch yourself. But, yeah, just give it a go. <laughs> going with... Take the opportunities that come up. But, yeah, it's, it's m- enjoyable this year with, like you said, a lot of last year was on the fly. But now I feel a lot more settled and enjoying it.
0: Apart from the premierships, what is your favourite moment you've ever had in footy? The one moment where you think, if I could go back there and experience that again, it'd be a good place to be.
1: My mind is racing with a hundred of them.
0: See, EJ Whitten's game, I thought that was significant. But then running out for the first AFLW game, I assume (laughs) would have been just mind blowing.
1: Yeah, both of those significant. But uh, I think that opening night, I know I wasn't playing but that opening night of AFLW was this culmination of a lot of hard work and passion and our dreams, mine individually and also a lot of my friends and the, the female footy movement collectively. It all culminated on that night and for it to be such a big success was just one of the, the most special moments I've ever experienced.
0: I don't reckon Gillen's ever been happier to apologise to people for being locked out of a football match. The most relieved man on the planet that night was Gil. I
1: loved that. I loved the images of him wading through the crowd. I thought it was a great touch and just a great endorsement of women's footy. A, that there was a lockout crowd, so people were stuck outside of the ground. B, that Gil was there and so invested and so invested that he'd take it upon himself to, without planning, go out there and directly... Try and pacify them, I suppose. It was, yeah, it was a great endorsement of women's footy, I thought, and women's sport.
0: After one season of AFLW, uh, are you hungrier for the second?
1: I am. Yeah. I, it's funny. I, coming into this uh, initial season, I almost wondered because I've pl- this is my thirteenth season of footy, 20, turning 29 years old, family on the cards, all of that. So I came into this season almost wondering would it have the impact on me that once it was up and running uh, and here to stay, would my hunger almost recede because I'd done my job and I'd played with season and it was here so I can retire a happy woman. But it's gone the absolute opposite way and with force as well. I think a combination of the way that the season finished up, just falling short, um, the the team that I played in, such a exciting young group that grew tremendously over the season, was a great group to be a part of. Um, loved every second of working with Mick Staneer, our coach, and the coaching group that we've got at Melbourne. I felt like I, I was never under any illusion that I couldn't improve as a player, but uh, suddenly having Mick and having access to vision and all the things that you have at the club, it's like just the big black hole just got bigger, and there's so much more I can learn and get better at within the game. So that that burns inside me still, and yeah, so certainly hungrier heading into next season, and can't wait. Some quick Mad ones. Monday today, and then start season.
0: Silly Sunday <laughs> next week. <laughs> hey, some quick ones to finish. Grand Final uh, start time as it is: twilight or night?
1: Well, I I think. Twilight is a good result and probably going to happen by all all reports. But uh, traditions are a bit of a... Some traditions I attach myself to and agree should not be lost, but the the start time of a grand final, I don't think, really matters, so long as it doesn't affect young people and families being able to come and enjoy the grand final. Um, And, I mean, the reality is, is that TV... And the TV broadcasting deal offers so much to the game in terms of money and what, what players and the league are able to do. So, you know, you've got to compromise a little bit on those kind of things, I think. And if it's better for more eyeballs on the sport, well, then it's probably going to happen. And I certainly don't think the fact that just because we've always played at two o'clock in the afternoon, I don't think that's a good enough reason not to. So why not?
0: If you had an unlimited budget for half-time entertainment, <laughs> who would it be?
1: Uh, uh, Paul Kelly.
0: <laughs> well, Gil will be happy with the price. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, it might leave a little bit over start paying the girls a little bit more so we could be full-time. Let's go, let's go Paul Kelly for the t- 2017 AFL Grand Final. I think he'd be great. Australian be singer-songwriter.
0: And loves football.
1: Loves football.
0: If you were to recommend me a book...
1: I'm not a big reader.
0: Do you know I asked this of Luke Beveridge the other day and he said The Count of Monte Cristo. (laughs)
1: He
0: said there's just so many lessons in it and it's just a ripper. It's actually a great book. I'll leave you on the book. Best advice you've ever been given?
1: Oh, these are tough as well. I'm never good at these off the bat, but... Best advice you've ever been given? Probably, no, I'm going to mix the saying up, but it was along the lines of... um, I'm not hearing what you're saying because your actions are speaking louder than your words ever will. So it's about, and, and that's something that mum's always been big on as well, is that not worrying about what people say. The truth will always come through. So I guess, yeah, setting you up to be a bit more resilient. But also as a person, just making sure that you stay true to yourself and pretty authentic is important, I think.
0: If you're lucky enough to become a mother, What's the one thing you'd want to teach your child?
1: Um, oh, just to be fair and honest, I suppose, are the biggest things. I, I don't think... I think one of the best qualities in people is to, that no-one thinks they're better than anyone else and have time for anyone <laughs> is a big one. I really appreciate those kind of people, so I'd like to think that you could teach your kids to be that way.
0: Last time you cried?
1: Oh, on Monday at the season review at the Melbourne Football Club. I'd held it together until that point and it was probably anger was my overriding emotion once we found out we'd been knocked out of the grand final. But I think then once getting back amongst the group and within the safe space of the inner sanctum, it all flowed out as tears. So a lot of them were proud tears, but yeah, certainly a bit of disappointment in there as well.
0: Last one. Who wins the AFL grand final this year?
1: I think, well, GWS are going to be hard to beat, and that's having not seen them play yet. <laughs> but, um, yeah, then you look at the Dogs, what they were able to do without their first-line ruckman in Jordan Ruffhead playing on Friday night. They'll be right up there again this year, so, yeah, maybe the Dogs back-to-back would be good.
0: Thanks for talking footy. You are my favourite AFLW Melbourne captain ever.
1: <laughs> what an honour. <laughs> Thank you.
0: We're talking foodie.